Welcome to Eye on the Ball. This is Garrett Rands. I'm here with Pastor Tim Everett. Pastor Tim, I've got a question about prayer. You know, why should we pray? Should is is it of any use for us to pray? What what do we get out of it? Um, what does the Lord get out of it? What how should we be praying? And and how do how do we even start with that? <laughs> yeah, I had a discussion this morning with a lady about Israel, and she was asking the question why why are American Jews less supportive of Israel than evangelical Christians? And I think the the one word answer is the the Bible. Uh, the Bible, uh, you know, evangelical Christians believe their Bible, they read their Bible, and they try to do what the Bible tells them to say, and they, they take it literally. Uh, American Jews, um, more other than the Orthodox, you know, they look at the Bible as, as just history and uh, storybook and this sort of thing. So I think the foundational answer to that question, why do we pray, the Bible tells us to. You know, God commands it, and uh, we have the example of Scripture but and then also we have the, the example of, of just the testimonies that people tell of what, what their prayer life has done for them. I was reading about uh, George Mueller. He was, uh, had written some powerful books on prayer in the 19th century, and he began um, an orphanage with a promise that he would never ask anyone for anything but God. He wouldn't ask for money. He wouldn't advertise the needs. And he began to keep a journal with the prayer request that he wrote down and at the end of his life, he had 50,000 entries of prayer requests that he made that God had answered. He said 30,000 of them within the hour of which he asked it. That's an incredible story. That, that, that kind of blows my mind, honestly, yeah. that's, to think about having that many. And then, and then for somebody to not ever express the needs that they have, because that, yeah. that, that tends to be our first, the first thing that we do is, is, is express that we have a need. To other people, and uh, you, you know that's an interesting take. What, what was this um, author's name? This, George uh, Mueller. Yeah, George, George Mueller. Mueller. I th- hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. M- Mueller, I think, is is it. But and so we just have the we have the scriptures, we have the testimony of the church of the last two thousand years, and then I think all of us have our own personal testimonies of of how prayers made such a difference in our life. And and uh, me and the difference between old George, you know, I have a prayer journal that I list all my requests, but I don't often go back and look at how God answered them and spend the sufficient amount of time I need praying prayers of thanksgiving for what God has done. We, we kind of have a tendency to keep our mind focused on our next need. And, and uh, one time when I was a, a little boy, I remember coming to my dad and uh, asking him for something, and my dad took my hand, and he turned it over and looked at the back of my hand, and he said, wow. And I said, what? And he said, I've never seen that side of your hand before. <laughs> you know, I've always come into it with my hand out, you know, asking dad for something or asking for the car keys or whatnot. And I think, you know, that makes me think of my prayer life, how many times I come with my requests, but I don't pray the prayer of adoration. I don't pray, pray the prayer of thanksgiving, of, um, you know, and, and spend that, that amount of time on that, which is so important. Uh, um, we talked about prayer at church last night. And we looked at the model prayer. The model prayer of Jesus, is, of course, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. And then in another gospel, it's the answer to the question the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. So they said, how do we pray? And his response to that question was the simple model prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. I like to call 
John 17, the prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples before he was arrested and crucified, the, the Lord's Prayer. But, uh, but anyway, the Our Father, which art in heaven prayer. And uh, we see in that prayer three requests of God, or re- maybe three requests for God, that his name be glorified, you know, hallowed be thy name, uh, that his kingdom come, and that his will be done. You know, that's three requests in regards to our relationship with God and what we want for God to do for himself here on earth. And then the next three requests have to do with us. Uh, Give us this day our daily bread, uh, forgive us of our sins, and lead us not into temptation. So he gives us um, just a model prayer, uh, talking about the the simple prayer of of us taking our request before God, uh, things of a spiritual nature, things of a physical nature. And I ran into this little poem that that really grabbed me um, about praying for your daily bread. And you asked the question, why pray? Um, you know, where do our prayers go? Just to the ceiling or do they go to the throne of grace? Uh, think about that prayer for, for daily bread and think about buying a loaf of bread at the store. If you ask a typical kid today, where does bread come from? They'd probably say, Piggly Wiggly, <laughs> you know, Brookshire's. Yeah, in, yeah. Our, in our town, Walmart. And Walmart, other yeah, right. That, and, and probably to them, you know, that is the, the source of the bread. But this little poem asked the question, uh, what's in back of a loaf of bread? And so here's how it reads, back of the loaf is the snowy flyer, and back of the flyer, the meal. And back of the meal is the wheat and the shower and the sun and the Father's will. And so, you know, when you look at a a loaf of bread, what a testimony a loaf of bread tells about the power of prayer. We pray for our daily bread, and uh, we see that that bread wrapped up in plastic on the shelf of our grocery store, but behind that, you know, are are those truck drivers that transported it, uh, you know, those who produce the plastic that it goes in. But we go back to you know, the, the meal where the flour uh, was made into the, the loaf, and before that, the wheat, you know, that could only be grown with the rains coming on time and the sunshine. And then in back of all of it is God and his will. God willed that his people be provided for, and he provides the sun, he provides the rain, he provides the nitrogen in the soil. And so things that we thoughtlessly consume are the basis of prayer, you know, praying for our daily bread. And of course, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, we talked about bread as money. So I think it's talking about all material and physical things that God loves us, he's concerned for us. But he, he asked that we requested of him and to acknowledge the role that he plays in that supply line. And so in back of everything that we have is our Father's will and our prayers, praying for God's will to be done in our life and on earth. So That's prayers enable God to do what he wants to do. Many times he's, he's seeking to see if we as his children will ask him, you know. So I was taught at some point um, in, in, in my discipleship the Acts prayer, A-C-T-S, uh-huh. adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, supplication. Yeah. Um, do, do you know off the top of your head where that comes from in Scripture? I mean, a lot of those points were hit on with the Lord's Prayer um, in terms of yeah, the right. adoration being mm-hmm. there. And um, Well, you know, I can think of one that's particularly a good model of that is Nehemiah's prayer. Uh, in Nehemiah chapter 1 where, 
he began his prayer adoring God, the God of Israel, uh, praying uh, praise, a praise prayer to him. And then as he reflected over who God was, he began to see his people as sinful and how the Babylonian exile was a direct result of their disobedience to God. And so he began to pray for his country, and then he began to see himself as part of the problem, and he began to pray confessional prayers of sin for himself. And then um, he thanked God in advance for what God was going to do in his life of, of going back to Jerusalem and helping rebuild the city. And then, and that's and then at the very that's end, trust. right, trust, right, in advance of it happening. And so, you know, the very last part of his prayer was supply, you know, our needs. So it began focusing on God and wound up with the self-focused needs that he had, which is the opposite of how most of us pray. Most of us pray, um, you know, my prayers have a tendency to be, um, you know, help me, help me, help, 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 give, 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 forgive, 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 you know, probably a pretty monotonous um, part of my end of the the dialogue with God. I think, I mean, that's our nature for every one of us, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that that we have that, we're we're self-centered first. Mm-hmm. And it and it's everything that we can do to not be self centered, mm-hmm. um, and that only comes through our relationship with Christ and being focused on someone other than mm-hmm. ourselves, being Him. You know, Lenary um, this Sunday morning in in our last Sunday morning, whenever she shared about what she learned from her father, you know, one of the things that that uh, stood out to me was the trust factor, right? That at some point, if you really want to know what trust is, you have to learn to do things without asking questions. And, you know, in Nehemiah's example that you, that you gave there, that that's the thing that sticks out to me is that you're, you're giving thanks for something that he hasn't done yet, but you know that he's going to. And that idea that we trust so fully that um, we don't even ask questions of, mm-hmm. of how or why me or any of, any of that that goes into it, it's just a, a complete and total trust. Um, so I've heard this before, uh, Pastor Tim, that when we pray, it aligns our hearts with God's. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, is that accurate? Is that oh yes, scriptural? Yeah. Right. I mean, um, again, we often begin with a sense of self and self centeredness, and hopefully, the more we pray, the more we lose ourselves into the concept of who God is and and into the audience of God and. Um, it's a shame if we do all the talking, you know, in our prayer life, if we don't uh, put ourselves in a position really to listen and hear what he has to say. Uh, of course, scriptures can be used at that because we know that's God's word. But uh, I had a, um, a wedding one time for a relative of, of David Toms, you know, the great uh, professional golfer from Shreveport. And uh, as an amateur golfer, I look forward to having a conversation with David Toms about golf. And um, so we had a chance to, to get into a conversation. What he wanted to talk about was deer hunting, <laughs> you know, because what, what could he learn from me about golf? What, what benefit would I be to him with anything having to do with golf? And he lived it, and, you know, he was ready probably to talk about something else. And so I looked at the pictures of the bucks that he had killed, and, you know, that was what he wanted to talk about. And I, I got to thinking how silly it would have been for me to monopolize his time with um with my golf game 
and my golf issues when he had instructions from the best constructors in the world, and he's one of the you know top players in the world and all that. But you know how how ridiculous also is it for us to go to God with our ideas and our instructions when, like someone said, it's like we are look watching a parade through the keyhole of a door. You know, our life, our understanding of our life is, uh, you know, looking out of the keyhole of a door of a, of a band walking by, and we see, you know, the flash of a trumpet or a flag or something. And, uh, but, you know, God sees the whole picture. You know, he's at the beginning of the, the parade. He's at the end of the parade. He, he sees all. And so, um, so certainly as we come to, to God, and he wants to hear our words, but uh, how important is it for us to be still before God and hear uh, his instruction. He, he can see over the hill and around the corner. Uh, I like, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, so one of the things I, that, that comes to mind when you, when you talk about that, we have this, this, this tendency also to go, God, this is what I'm doing. I want you to bless it. You know, and it's, it's, <laughs> oh, it's our idea first, yeah. and then let's, let's bless instead of the way that it should be, which yeah. is, God, where are you working, and what can I do to join you and participate in what you're doing? Amen. And yeah. that's something that um, I don't know that there's a such thing as a wrong prayer, but if, if there was, it would be along those lines <laughs> that you're telling God what you're going to do and, and asking him to bless it. And then there's those that believe that, you know, uh, that they take Scripture out of context, right, and, and it's, well, you just have to ask for it in the, in the name of Jesus and you're going to get it. Um, you know, and they, they take uh-huh. that Scripture out of context and, and apply it that way so that anything – that they want, if you just pray enough and you have enough faith, that you're going to get it. Yeah, it's more about finding Jesus on that issue. When you find Jesus on that issue that you're bringing before him and know what his will, then you know that that prayer is going to come to pass. That's the confidence that you have is that you're praying in his name. Um, you know, you're praying um, to the point to where finally you're aligned with Christ and y'all want the same thing. And uh, you know that it's going to happen because... Uh, his will is going to happen as we pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Talking about um, ideas, you remember when Peter, James, and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, and, and he and Moses and Elijah were transfigured before them. You know, Moses the lawgiver, Elijah the law protector, and Jesus the law fulfiller. And it said that Peter began to speak and say, oh, it's great that we're up here, said uh, Let's build three tabernacles. And, and so he began to kick in his, his ideas and his management of Jesus and his ministry and the ideas that he wanted to do, kind of entrepreneurial and how this would build the kingdom and whatnot. And uh, the father spoke up and said, this is my son. Um, listen to him. <laughs> like, shut up, yeah, Peter. Not the other way around. <laughs> right, listen to him. And, um, and so it is, you know, when we're in the audience of, of someone who – you know, who's an expert in their field, how arrogant it is for us to dominate the conversation. And when we're in a, a conversation with God who's omnipotent, um, how arrogant it is for us to do all the talking and end it with an amen and not just p- trying to, to pray ourselves into the presence of Christ and then enjoying that relationship and um, sensing and hearing what God is saying to you. So we're instructed that we should pray continually. Um, what do you think that means? Does that mean that we, we, we're always on our knees? We're, um, we're always, uh, you know, at the church or, at, you know, at the synagogue or wherever, and we're <laughs> praying, you know, is that, is that what that means? Or is it, uh, is it more of a mindset? 
Yeah, it's a mindset. It's an attitude. It's a, it's a willingness to invite God into our thought processes. Um, it's carrying on a conversation in our mind with God all day long and including Him in whatever's happening. Um, you know, if I see... Um, on the way over here, I saw a threatening-looking young man with a hoodie on, with goggles, with a, a um, look like a pit bull on a leash, you know, in the neighborhood. And my first thoughts were maybe a little bit of fear, you know, maybe a little bit of anxiety, maybe a little bit of, um, of judgment. And so that's a quick time to start praying and let God take that experience and use it as he deems, which a lot of it will be to teach me something. You know, what can I learn about God? And then I'm, I'm channel- channeling that worry, that fear into a prayer. Um, you know, when my daughter was on the road uh, with my two grandkids coming in Monday night, you know, they got in late and they were driving through storms. I worried the whole time they were on the road, but... You know, I kept trying to channel that worry in, into prayer, you know, doing something positive about that helpless situation of being at home waiting on them to get there. Uh, prayer, just um, just spending the day with God, spending every waking moment with God. Uh, it doesn't begin with, dear Heavenly Father, and end with an amen. It's just a continual relationship with Him. So one of the things that we also have a, have a tendency to uh, to do, or at least I, I can't speak for everyone, but, mm-hmm. but me personally, we also have this, this tendency to go, well, why should I pray for that? It's not going to change God's mind. His, yeah. his mind is already made up. Mm-hmm. What's the point of me praying? Mm-hmm. Um, what would your answer be to that question? Yeah. I mean, that kind of gets the whole sovereignty free will thing. Um, I think the best answer to that question will be just look at what the Bible says about why I pray. Uh, let, let me let me answer, kind of go around my Aunt Laura's house, and let's just list some reasons of why we should pray. And this will help answer the question of um, if God's sovereign, why does he need our input? Or, you know, however you want to answer, ask that question. Uh, first of all, we pray because God commands it. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, you know, verse 6 and 7. Let me look at that real quickly. While you're turning, I would I would also add that, uh, you know, I, I always feel like prayer is necessary, and and that no matter how much you pray, it's never enough, because we can always do better, right? Mm-hmm. And we can yeah. always have this attitude um, of of trying to be in the mindset of what what God's will is by knowing His Word and by knowing Him, uh, and and we just we can't pray too much. Yeah. Um. You know, I think we we can pray wrong when we get our our ourselves first instead of his will. Um, but I do think that um, we've got a lot to learn about prayer. When we look at those examples of, of prayers that are, uh, particularly in the Old Testament for me, those prayers of adoration where they would, uh, you know, David would go on for just, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs of, give, of giving God praise, you know, and that was just the opener to, to his prayer that might only be one little request. But he, he started it with, with paragraphs of praise and um, and he was getting in the right mindset about who God was and about who he was. You know, as a king, you know, he was doing that. Yeah, and I'm thankful that the Psalms include not only his prayers of praise, but his prayers of, of anxiety and, and uh, 
and even what do you, what, what's the what's prayer called? Prayers of imprecation. Imp, I think that's how you pronounce it, where you're praying God's wrath upon your enemies. I mean, it's amazing how many <laughs> how many songs David wrote where the lyrics were prayers praying for God's wrath to fall on his enemies, and and so it it just shows you the 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 rawness of David's relationship with God, where he they talked about everything together. Um, it, you know, it involved the whole the whole gamut. So those that honesty comes through in the Psalms. Absolutely. All right, Philippians. Oh yeah, Philippians uh, four. Beginning verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So here's, here's the commandment. You know, the Scripture commands us to pray. So for no other reason we pray because the Bible tells us That's to. enough. Yeah. That's that, enough. And, but then after that it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, you know, the benefit of that praying without ceasing is the peace you know, the spiritual peace that can be a deposit on us until God comes and establishes physical peace when His kingdom comes to earth. But in the meantime, we can have that spiritual sense that God's on His throne. You know, we're going, we're in a mess, but we're going to be okay because we're followers of Christ and He's going to lead us to God and to His throne and His kingdom is coming. So, yeah, the commandment. Then also, Scripture and Jesus sets an example for us as to why to pray. Uh, Mark one thirty five and in other places it talks about Jesus spending all night in prayer with his father or getting up early, you know, getting away from it. It seemed like Jesus was always fleeing the crowds and fleeing his disciples. He he was looking for those moments of intimacy with the Father and with the Spirit where he could get away. And uh, so Jesus sets the example. The the early Christian church, Acts chapter one fourteen, they were praying when the Holy Spirit came down upon them at Pentecost. Um, chapter 2, 42, and in chapter 13, 1 through 3, it talks about how the church met daily for prayer. And so both Jesus and the early Christian church are examples to us to pray. And I think about Anna. Remember Anna, the, the elderly lady who served God in the capacity of prayer and fasting? She came to the temple every day. And she was there when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus, you know, to be circumcised. And so here's an example of someone who, who daily, that was their service to God, was their prayer life. Um, can you think of people in your life who you knew were prayer warriors on your team that had oh, your back? Uh, oh, absolutely. Aunt yeah. Reba. Yeah. Aunt Reba. I thought about yeah, her. Yeah, absolutely. Remember her little prayer bench in the back of her house? And, yes. And when she said she was going to pray for you, you knew she was going to pray for she you. She meant it. It was yeah, not a. It was yeah. not a. I'm going to throw up a couple of words. It was you know yeah. you, you you're going to find her the next morning on her knees on that prayer bench and mm-hmm. she's going to be you know spelling it out. You know? <laughs> yeah, my my brother was talking to a 95 year old retired preacher, asked him how he was doing. He said I had my most effective year of ministry last year, and my brother said, but you're shut in. Um, you know you're retired. Uh, how did that happen? He said, I've learned how to pray. You know, he said, my, my most effective year of ministry has been this past year because I'm learning how to pray and to affect change, you know, through uh, reaching God with his prayers. And, and uh, so. All right. Yeah. So we pray because the scripture God tells us. God commands it. Because yeah, scripture, Jesus himself set mm-hmm. the example. Um, and, and then we've, and we've got various places in, in the word that tells us to mm-hmm. pray. What else? 
Uh, think about when Jesus called his disciples. It was after a long night of prayer. Uh, the day that, the way it, uh, he, he may have called them in different days, but the way scripture reads, it's like the day that he appointed his disciples to be the 12, the night before we spent in prayer. So we pray before a major decision. And uh, that's a, a great motivation for us in our prayer lives. We have a major decision in our life. And a lot of times we're suffering in our prayer lives until something comes along that's life-changing and, and that drives us to our knees and drives us to Him. So before you make a major decision, I think about um, overcoming demonic barriers. Right after the Bound of Transfiguration, when Jesus came down, His disciples were botching a miracle of trying to get the demon out of the little boy. And then and they said, why can't we, why couldn't we get rid of this demon? Yeah. And he said, this is a special case. It takes prayer and fasting. Yeah. You know. Which lets you, well, I mean, that lets us know that prayer is effective. Yeah. That he is listening and that it is effective. Mm-hmm. And there are some things that are relying on that. Now with God being sovereign and, and having foreknowledge of everything, mm-hmm. he knows that you're going to pray, mm-hmm. but he's waiting on you to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's part of our personal obedience is when we right. get to that point. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, thinking about the concept of prayer and fasting, it's the idea of giving up something to create a vacuum that God can fill, kind of like the Lenten season when we fast from something in order to spend that time focusing. Say if, we're, say if we give up um, lunch, you know, for Lent. You know, the idea is giving up something like that that's valuable to us to replace it with a prayer time. So I think a lot of times, this is a little bit off, uh, off track here in our listing of reasons, but it's important to, to be willing to fast from worldly things in order to have room for spiritual things. So fasting and prayer, you know, can go together. Well, and I think we've gotten too far as Protestants, right? We've gotten mm-hmm. too far away from some traditions that maybe were good like Lent. I mean, Lent mm-hmm. is something that I've not, you know, that's not something that I personally mm-hmm. go through every year. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's a shame and it's because it's just as a Protestant, you know, that's not something that is held of great importance. Um, even though you mention it and even though there are others that, that do give up things for Lent, um, by comparison to Catholic friends that I have in, in South Louisiana, they, they're always giving up things for Lent. And it's, you know, now whether or not they're using that time to pray, I don't know. But they're, yeah. it is something that they do practice every year just as, as part of their tradition. I think the focus they have, too, on retreating. You know, they have some retreat, retreat centers and um, some things built into their life of getting away and getting with God and these kinds of things. A lot of times we jump from the New Testament to the Protestant Reformation, and we leave out a lot of good theologians and writers from the monastic life who have so much to teach us about prayer and whatnot. So uh, I was really convicted by an Asian who said that when he ran into, a, you know, like a Buddhist monk or someone like that, he felt like he was in the presence of a holy man. And when he ran into a preacher, he felt like he was in the presence of a businessman. That's sad. That, that <laughs> oh, it convicted that, yeah. me, man, I'm telling you. Right. Well, I pray um, we gain strength to overcome temptation. You know, Matthew 26, 41, that was at the Garden of Gethsemane when Peter, James, and John kept falling asleep. And um, he admonished them to watch and pray that you don't fall into temptations. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, you know, prayer can strengthen 
our flesh. It can strengthen us as we're tempted with the addictions that we have that keep us from God. So, And everybody's addicted to something. All it, of us, it yeah. May, it may be... Yeah. Uh, uh, substances like drugs or alcohol, but it may also yeah. just, it may be self-glory. Yeah. You know, I know plenty of people that are, that are addicted to hearing themselves, um, you know, out talk everyone else and, and always <laughs> yeah. be right about everything, oh, and, yeah. you know, and they yeah. would argue with you, even if uh, they came into the room believing that what you said was correct, they're going to argue with you um, and change their opinion on the spot just so they have something that, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, we were all addicted to something. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so it's, um, the idea that we pray in order to get over our flesh yeah. is is uh, is a thought that we need yeah. to. You know, another reason for us to be continually in prayer. Mm-hmm. Right. A lady told me this week: good news and bad news. Good news: I quit smoking. Bad news: I started eating. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. You give up. You know. Yeah. So our listeners are probably not familiar with this about me, but at at one point in my career, um, before I got into the financial industry, I was in healthcare. And uh, I worked for a bariatric surgery company. And one of the things that um, we always worked on, it's, it's, it's a mental thing, right? I mean, it's, it's an addiction thing. And the hard thing about food um, and, and working with morbidly obese patients is it's not something that you can abstain from. You know, so when you're going through a drug or an alcohol rehab program, you can abstain from those things. You can't abstain from food. And so yeah. that makes it that yeah. much harder. That's like telling an alcoholic, well, you can have one drink every day, but no more than one. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, it's not going to work effectively. And so that's, that's one of the things that's so difficult about that. I would translate that into, mm-hmm. you know, our addiction of ourselves. Yeah. It's so hard. You have to live in yourself. So it's so hard to get over yourself. And it, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're, that we're able to get over it at all. Yeah, think about the temptation of Christ after 40 days of fasting. The first one was turning stones into bread, which no doubt looked like bread to him. You know, these stones have been fasted for 40 days. And for him to overcome that temptation at that weak time in his life is so impressive. Yeah, I, I, I would have been hallucinating, I'm yeah. sure, you know, at that right. point. I, I don't know how anybody survived, you know. Uh, here's a good prayer for, for pastors. Um the idea of um, praying for the strengthening of others spiritually, Ephesians six eighteen through 19 talks about that, about prayers of supplication for those um, uh, who are being discipled in the church. Uh, there's no discipleship training kit that can take the place of prayer. I remember used to, we had all these discipleship training kits. There was these 12-week studies that come out, and we'd go from kind of small group to small group, and they were very good and very helpful, but none of them are a substitute for what prayer can do in discipling a person and growing a person, you know, to be like Christ. Examples uh, in the Bible of prayer other than the Lord's Prayer, Um, and and you you mentioned Nehemiah's as well. Anybody else that sticks out to you, you know, as far as prayers that maybe we should model our own personal prayers after? Um, Yeah, think about the publican. Um, where Jesus singled out his prayer from the Pharisee uh, who was looking at the, the tax collector and saying, you know, how great I am in comparison to this person, O Lord, basically was his prayer. And uh, the tax collector was praying, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Um, you know, I think about the, um, you know, the little boy's lunch in, a, in it, 
in a sense, was a prayer that he brought to Jesus when there were 5,000 men that needed to be fed, not counting the women and children, and the disciples were wondering what to do. And uh, he gave all that he had. He gave his lunch to Jesus. I think he probably thought he was feeding Jesus, and he was. You know, and Jesus took it and multiplied it and fed the, the crowds from it. Uh, I, I love the story of... Um, See, First Baptist Dallas had two pastors in the 20th century. They had George W. Truett for the first half of the century and Criswell, you know, for the last half. And uh, George W. Truett tells a story about how they had these offering baskets that were on poles. They looked like big fishing nets. And he said one Sunday he was watching, and uh, the, the offering bearer had the net stretched out over a pew, and a little toddler rolled out of his mother's lap into the net, you know, <laughs> like he called that little boy. And uh, he got up and he stopped the service. He said, and he was laughing. He said, I want you all to see what happened. He said, this is the best offering that's ever been given in our church. He said, that little boy gave all that he was to, uh, <laughs> to the Lord, you know. And so, you know, the prayers of, uh, of where you're emptying yourself out, you know, get, you've gotten to the end of yourself and you're just asking God to take over. Um, so that would be the example of a child. And I think the model prayer is almost like God is great, God is good, let us thank him for him. It's very simple and basic. It's the prayer that a child could pray to his Abba, his father. Um, you know, here's three requests I have. You be glorified, your will be done, and then here's some, you know, and blah, 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 and here's the request that I have. Keep me out of trouble. Keep me out of trouble, yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, when my children were young, it didn't matter where I was going, what I was doing, who I was doing it with, or how long I would be there. They wanted to be there with me. So, you know, say when my kids were five or six, you know, they, if I was leaving out the door, they wanted to follow me. But then when they got teenagers and I asked them to come and accompany me, they'd want to know where I was going. They want to know how long I was going to be there, want to know who else was going to be there. And uh, they had all these stipulations and so my childlike prayers are what I'm trying to get back to when my relationship with God, with God was fresh and it was a totally trusting relationship of a child with his father. And, um, and I think that the best model prayers for us oftentimes are our children or sometimes people who've just come to faith and haven't learned how to pray the stock cliched prayers that we learn how to pray. Amen. Yeah. You know, my, um, uh, my father-in-law used to tell the story about when he was a little boy. said they had a, a pious church leader who would pray, uh, Lord, clean out the cobwebs of sin from my heart. You know, and he would include that in every prayer. And he said, one time I turned to my mother and I said, why didn't he pray, God killed the spider? <laughs> <laughs> and I've never heard that as an expression in a prayer before. I yeah, like that. Right. Um, yeah, we have a tendency to, you know, the lead, guide, and direct. We all have our cliches that we pull out sometimes yeah, ab- in public prayers. Absolutely. And it's not yeah. that that comes from a bad place. It's just, right, right, just our habits. Right, you know, right. People and, of uh, habit. Yeah, amen. All right, Pastor Tim, uh, is there one last word uh, to you before we go? Is there anything else that you would give advice on on, on prayer? Well, I, I would think, um, you know, prayer makes us humble it makes us recognize that we need god it makes it acknowledges the role that god's playing in our life it acknowledges behind every loaf of bread you know is the the flour and the meal and the wheat and the shower and the 
sunshine and then God's will. You know, it acknowledges that all good gifts come from God. You know, James says that God is, as Father knows how to give perfect gifts to His children. And so it's, um, it's all about a relationship. I mean, we're, we're trying to strengthen our vertical, like as we think about the cruciform life, the cross-shaped life. We're trying to strengthen our vertical relationship with God that was broken through sin. And then we're trying to strengthen that horizontal relationship with our earthly relationships like our family members and friends and whatnot. So, you know, prayer's what does that. Prayer strengthens that, that vertical relationship. Um, our president prayed a prayer on National Day of Prayer without even mentioning God at all. You know, and that's not a prayer. I mean, God, first of all, prayer acknowledges God. It's a speech. It's a speech, yeah. And, um, and so, you know, it, prayer humbles us to recognize that we need God. And then also prayer always makes me thankful. When I have a, uh, a powerful moment with God in prayer, it makes me grateful um, it helps take shift my focus from my problems to my blessings. I love that hymn, Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. So uh, is, don't, don't look at it as a, as, as a science or a discipline or, um, or something that we you know, need to get better. It's kind of like... There's no magic formula. No magic formula, idea. right. I mean, if, um, if you were wanting to move the governor to make a decision in your favor, would you rather have the best speech maker in the country to write a letter to him, or would you rather get a message to him through his wife? <laughs> you know, pillow talk goes a lot further than a, a letter, no matter how eloquent it is. And it's not the eloquence of our words, it's that intimate relationship with God uh, that prayer um, helps us to grow in. So. You know, it's it's um, you know that's it's all about intimacy. There's no intimacy with God without prayer. Amen, folks. Keep praying. There there is a purpose to prayer. It is of use. Mm-hmm. It is real. Have faith and uh, and and don't stop praying. Uh, just as a reminder, we are on every uh, major podcast now, including Pandora, uh, Apple, uh, Google, Spotify all of those and you can continue to find us from our website gammatown.org or my personal website garrettrands.com thank you for listening god bless you and we'll catch you next time